Hey everyone, welcome to the Being Patient Podcast. I'm Deborah Kahn, founder of Being Patient. When my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, I decided to use my skills as a journalist in a different way. Frustrated by the lack of information on science and the inability to get different expert opinions, I decided to quit my job at the Wall Street Journal to create a better platform for people impacted by dementia. We are a community where news and information is created by our team of journalists. We ask tough questions and we simplify the science so that anyone can understand. We don't only cover disease, but delve into the latest research on what it takes to keep our brains healthy. We invite the experts and ask your questions. Here's today's podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Being Patient Brain Talks. I'm Deborah Khan, founder of Being Patient. Today, we have two very special guests with us, um, the makers of a documentary called Have You Heard About Greg? Greg is with us today, Greg O'Brien, who has had a diagnosis of Alzheimer's now for uh, several decades, I think it is, or maybe two uh, decades. About 10 years. 10 years, I'm sorry, 10 years. Um, and you look, um, you look so young, Greg, that I, I was reading um, in your bio that you had, um, you were, I think in your, were you in your 50s when you were diagnosed? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm about 60. And you I'm, got 60, I'm okay. 70, I'm 71 now. Okay, and, um, and with him, his partner in crime, we have with us um, Steve Eccleson. He is the producer of the documentary, but the great thing about these two is that they were childhood friends um, and were reconnected many years later um, to, to start this documentary. So you were just talking about this, Steve, um, to me before we started the live. Tell us about how you got reconnected first with Greg. Uh, it was an unusual set of circumstances. I had gone back for my 10th year high school reunion, and then I went back for my 50th high school reunion. So while I was there, one of Greg's and my childhood pals came up to me and said, have you heard about Greg? And in those five words, they changed my life. So basically, I found out that Greg had written a book called On Pluto, Inside the Mind of Alzheimer's. And I got in contact with him and he said, I'm going to be coming out to uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, right after the first of the year to give a speech to 400 uh, caretakers from the Aging Life Care Advocates Group. And I said, great, I'll bring cameras. Let's, let's hook up again. It's a blind date after 50 years. And so I came out with the cameras and met Greg again. We uh, kind of looked at each other strangely. And then, uh, then we sat down and started talking. And like with anybody who you've had a friendship with, it's like it can be a 5, 10, 50-year gap. And you just pick up where you left off and, and start talking. And I loved how he handled the crowd of 400 people. And uh, I said, there's something here that's just magical. I thought, well, maybe it's a short film. Steve James had done a short film with Greg before, and, and that was up. Then I had seen that, and I thought, okay, this is great. But then he starts turning over his Rolodex and starts handing me some of these top people in the fight against Alzheimer's. And so 
I get over it. And there's Lisa Genova, there's George Vradenberg, there's Rudy Tanzi. There are these icons, these amazing people who sat down, told me the truth. And then we had to take all that material back, just like any documentary, where if you're going to go make a documentary, you don't have a script, you don't have a schedule, you don't have a budget. You just basically go. And so I started shooting and figured I'd figure it out. But I didn't know what I had until I really sat down and started looking at the people that he had introduced me to. And I said, There's, this is magic. This is, this is information that people need to get their hands on. So what's so wonderful about the documentary is that you capture Greg so well. And Greg, what I love about your message, both on Pluto and um, within this documentary, is you're really talking about living with Alzheimer's. It's not dying with Alzheimer's. It's living with Alzheimer's. And your life and your spirit is captured so beautifully um, in this documentary. Just tell us a little bit about that how i mean obviously a diagnosis changes anyone's life considerably um but with yours it feels more like a heartwarming story it doesn't feel like a tragedy um which is wonderful and inspiring to so many who watch it i, I don't want it to be a tragedy or a train wreck because if that's the case people will feel pity as opposed to listening and learning um I think you may know that um, I lost my maternal grandfather, my mother, my father, and paternal uncle to Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. And and, uh, and I was at the deathbed of both my father and mother when, when they died. And and I, I just, as a journalist said, you know, and, and we used to, we never talked about cancer, called it the big C and never talked about AIDS and I it just, while I was there with my mom on um, you know, her last few minutes, I just said, you know, we're gonna bring this disease out of the closet. And, um, and it, it, you know, it's not fun um, kind of stripping yourself naked. And um, particularly when you're close to 70. So that's a joke, you could laugh. And, and, and that's not on camera. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, but- um, Maybe more people would watch though. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not 35, but- um, it it, uh, it it propelled me as a journalist to kind of do my job, and um, and I promised my mom that I that I would do that, and uh, so I started writing down everything because I, I before my parents died, at least my mom, I was experiencing, starting to experiencing the symptoms of short-term memory and um, not recognizing people and loss of place and loss of self and I, I, I was scared shitless if I could say that, I guess it's too late to ask, but, um, uh, and, but what, what, what propelled me again was, was my mother who was the hero of my life, who taught me how to live with Alzheimer's. And um, it's despite the stereotypes, um, and I'm looking at notes here because I can't wing it anymore, but despite the stereotypes of Alzheimer's, it's a 20 to 25 year course. So I was diagnosed about 10 years ago, but I was diagnosed early. And this is the importance of, of early diagnosis now. I had to, because as a journalist, I couldn't multitask anymore. And one of my best friends was my personal physician. And he got me in touch with experts who did the brain scans and spec scans and 
the um, diagnosis was early onset Alzheimer's. None of it was was a surprise. And I remember um, sitting uh, in his office with my wife when he he gave the diagnosis, and I felt like the tears coming down my cheeks. And I grabbed my wife's hand, and I said, "What about the kids?" And you know, Alzheimer's is really about the kids, the next generation. My, my train is left. There's no magic wand for me. And I think, as you know, I also have prostate cancer that's advancing, but um, it's about my children, my grandchildren. I have three grandchildren now and everyone else's children and grandchildren to try to uh, realize that this is a disease that over a period of time you can live with but get an early diagnosis. I was lucky if that's the right word, I was forced to, but people live in the shadows and fear and they don't wanna get a diagnosis until they're 10 years into it. So let's, let's unpack that a little bit because that's a really important point and one that often comes up. Um, so from your perspective, what did an earlier diagnosis give you? Uh, how, how was it helpful in terms of living with this disease? Well, it gave me a roadmap. And then as a journalist in writing uh, about, in which I wrote from probably a couple thousand, 2000 pages of notes when I wrote everything down and did my research. Um, as a journalist, I was fortunate enough to be able to connect with some of the top Alzheimer's experts in the world. And they helped me. I was talking to them to, to write the book, but they helped me on my journey by giving me strategies. And I wanted to share the strategies uh, with others. As the great Bugs Bunny once said, don't take life too seriously because nobody gets out alive. And I wanted in faith, hope and humor to teach people how to live with this. I think, I think, Laura, there's an interesting point that Lisa Genova makes in the film, and that is that somewhere in the neighborhood of 40% of the doctors who are involved with uh, neurology, the baby boom generation. They have two very special. They do not tell the doctors, the doctors do not, as a matter of course, tell the patient that they have Alzheimer's, which of course can only be proven in an autopsy at the end of the road, but they suspect that a person has Alzheimer's, but they will not tell them because there isn't a drug on the marketplace or any place for them to go at this point in time. And I think that that's so important. And Lisa underscores it by saying, by not telling the patient that this, or the family, that this is in the throes of happening, then they are not preparing properly for what is to come. Yeah. Uh, just to add to that, what I'm trying to do is to get some running room for the great pharmaceuticals that are, are um, working to, to, to find a cure. But at the end of the day, a cure may be, how do you put off these symptoms until maybe you're in your 80s? And that may be, because we haven't cured cancer. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we haven't cured heart disease, and but um, the pharmaceuticals uh, deserve a lot of credit for the hard work. And Steve, maybe you could pick up. And that's, on I mean, that's a big difference. The difference between you know diagnosis. I, I mean, if, if we can stave it off for a decade, that's ten years of your life, which is huge, right? I mean, 
I, I wanted to touch a little bit about um, how, what, you know, obviously, Greg, your family's been majorly impacted by Alzheimer's and um, you have a genetic link to the disease. Um, but Steve, you too have Alzheimer's in your family. You lost your mom to Alzheimer's as well. Okay. So it's just like when you think about you two weren't connected for 50 some years, you came back together because you heard about Greg, but yet you had been impacted by Alzheimer's as well. So tell us a little bit about was, was this mission as well, part of the reason um, because you were impacted as well? I, I think very much so. I think that had my mother, let's say passed away of cancer or some other disease, I probably I would have loved to have reconnected with Greg, but I would not have been so immediately in, in, uh, inspired by the work that he had already done. The, sitting down and writing a book is a murderous proposition. It doesn't matter what you're, what what it is. And he sat down and, <clears throat> excuse me, bared his soul and wrote about the childhood that I remembered and some that, of the that favorite- took, by the way, about three years, so. Yeah. What wasn't overnight. And and wasn't overnight and is now translated into Chinese and Indian and various other languages. And it's a classic. And as uh, I had gone through that experience with my mother, and I don't think I learned a thing back then. And so this to me was an opportunity to go back and and sort of bring it around full circle and really learn what this was all about because it had taken my mother and my grandfather before, which I found out subsequently. Um, and so this became a, a labor of love and a, a, a mission that, you know, had, had to be done. And so I, I think, uh, Laura, that this is a, the a perfect edutainment. We are educating people while we are entertaining them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the easiest pill to swallow. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And one of the things that really comes through in the film is just, Greg, how close your family is. Um, it's it's you living with this disease, but we, we see your family around you at all times. So tell us a little bit about the role and the dynamics and how they may have changed um, once once you received a diagnosis. Well, um, and, and I wrote about it and I have some notes here. When um, I was diagnosed, the doctors and the lawyers said that um, you can't own anything anymore. There's a five-year look back for a nursing home. And um, you need to tell your kids and you need to tell all the people you do work for, all your editors and so forth, because uh, it's just the right thing to do. And hardest thing was to tell my kids. And so I kind of summoned them all. They were out of the house at the time because they're older. Summoned them all to our house on Cape Cod under the guise of dinner at a favorite restaurant by the sea. And um, and so I was, they were all waiting because, you know, they're impatient. Daddy, come on, let's just go. What do you do? And I was in the bathroom and I felt like Luca Brazzi at The Godfather preparing my speech, you know, on the day of the daughters. And I, I was just so nervous. And so I went out and uh, finally, and, and um, my wife just, Mary Catherine, my wife for 45 years, um, I always call her my first wife, but she's my only wife. That's <laughs> and, and, uh, but I also call her now the warden because she's in charge, not me, but it's a love term. And um, 
so uh, Mary Catherine said, your dad needs to tell you something. They were all there when my mom and dad died. And I said, you know what, your grandma, my, my grandma, my mom was the last one to go. And I, she, she, I said, look, what took your grandmother I have now. And, um, and I've been diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's to which Brendan, my oldest boy, who's a writer, producer in Boston said, well, dad, that explains a lot. And the whole family were talking about it behind the scenes and wondering what's wrong with dad. He's not the outgoing guy that he used to be. He can't remember anything. He can't remember people. He drifts out. What, what is going on with them? And, um, and then my son, Connor, who can kind of get to the point said, so you're losing your mind, dad. And I said, yeah, it's time for dinner. Let's go. And um, so if I could tell a story, um, this is just family for people to, to understand the, the dynamic here. And it, it's in my book. Um, when um, a couple of days later, we're supposed to go to Coronado off San Diego for a family reunion. And I got out there early with my son, Brendan, just the two of us. And uh, the doctor said, I named him a power of attorney and um, he was in charge of everything in charge of me. So he didn't want to hear about it. And I said, we got to talk. And we're on the balcony of this beautiful hotel in, in, in Coronado. And I said, all right. So I went and got the 85 pages of notes that basically said I was losing my mind. And Brendan said, um, I don't want to hear about it. It's bullshit. And I said, no, you have to. And so I would read him parts and another emotional part. He goes, I don't want to hear about it. It's bullshit. And he dropped some F-bombs. And, and I read some more. And, and finally, he grabbed my 85 pages of medical notes, ripped them into shreds, and threw them off the balcony and said, this is bullshit. This is F-bomb bullshit, Dad, because I, I know it's true. And he buried his head on my shoulder and we cried. Right. And so that's, that's what it's like as a family. This journey is not easy. And there, there are, um, uh, I don't want anyone's pity, but I pick and choose my moments when to talk and when not to talk because I don't want people to see me when I'm down, I'm out of it. And, um, but that's, that's how the family came together. And it's it's very powerful when you watch the documentary, um, Steve. You ca capture that so well. Just the support that Greg has and the role of of the family. Um, Steve, tell us a little bit about like why. Um, what did you want? What do you want people to walk away with when they watch um, uh, this documentary? I I think that there's that the Alzheimer's diagnosis is such a tragedy and the word Alzheimer's is there is a huge stigma attached to it that immediately if you say oh this is a film about somebody who has Alzheimer's it's like I'm turning the channel and it's because I don't want to and and that was the way I was I, I looked at my mother and thought she's just old you know and whatever no 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 I watched her disappear while she was living. I watched her, her mind disappear. And it was only until, until I could get her in front of the piano that that came back uh, and she was able to play. And we were affiliated with this group called Music Men's Minds. 
which you may or may not know about, uh, Laura, but you know, it's individuals who are musicians who've been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia, and they have a band called the Fifth Dementia. And it's out here in Hollywood, and it's a bunch of old studio musicians, elder studio musicians who get down, and as soon as you put them in front of the, the charts, and they start playing. And, and, and Like Glenn Campbell. Yeah, like yeah. Glenn Campbell in I'll Be Me. So that was part of their cognitive reserve and, and what they've retained. Tony Bennett, right? Most recently. Tony Bennett. And yeah. knows the words of the songs, you know, a thousand songs. We can't tie his shoes. But anyway, um, you know, it's I, I'm hoping that people come away with a sense of hope. I'm hoping that they have been touched by the film, which I know they will be. And, and that they basically, the three goals that Greg and I set out for ourselves was A, to get people talking about it again. B, if indeed they get talking about it again, then they'll increase the funding for this because right now it, it trails AIDS, it trails uh, cancer, heart, whatever. And this is the one that if we do not fix this in the next 20 years is going to come along and bankrupt the entire Medicare system um, and totally put up, uh, just just affect our entire way of life. So it's get people talking, increase the funding, and it, to the individual who takes this message personally, the next time they go in to see their doctor, ask about their brain health. Don't give me a checkup from the neck down. Give me, let's talk about the neck up because that needs to take place. People's awareness about their own brain health, in which case we are affiliated with the Brain Guide, which is a product of the Us Against Alzheimer's group. And it's a great way to 10 minute test that you can take at home. You can take in conjunction with someone you love, who you're concerned about, just to kind of give you a, a, a little bit of guidance in terms of what you should be paying attention to. So I hope for, I hope for, that the audience comes away refreshed and renewed and keeps that message oh, I, in the back of their another head. Another purpose of the film is to expand the umbrella. The word dementia, which is a scary word, is the umbrella word for all sorts of cognitive issues like Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's is the most prevalent, but um, to some extent, it's, it's, it's all the same thing. It's loss of self and, and what, and I've had experts who told me that you can have Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia at the same time, you know, just like you can have cancer and other diseases. And um, so I, I'm part of my journey is to expand um, the understanding of, of this disease. And understandably, Alzheimer's is the most prevalent, but dementia is the umbrella and, 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 and people need to be concerned about all forms of dementia and you know one of that's one of the themes at being patient that keeps coming up over and over again is this um, a misdiagnosis it's it's the default is first it's mci and then it's usually on the road to alzheimer's but a lot of times it's a different dementia that a lot of doctors don't know how but one of the thing to diagnose, but one of the things that you pointed out is I remember um, having a conversation with a pathologist who told me um, after autopsy, about 75% of cases were diagnosed and labeled as Alzheimer's, but they're actually Alzheimer's and another type of dementia, right? Mm -hmm. So, so really understanding neurodegeneration is 
it, I mean, whether or not one starts first and then you end up with another, you know, people don't know that yet. Um, but, you know, Greg, one of the things that is and pointed by, out- By the way, um, not because I'll forget, but I think that's so true. You can have Alzheimer's and other form of dementia. And um, I have no feeling in, in a lot of parts of my body, which also could be a form of vascular dementia with Alzheimer's. And, and so it's all the same. And we need to talk about dementia and understand Alzheimer's is the most important, not important, excuse me, the, 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 the affecting more people, but understand that dementia is serious. So, um, and one of the things in the documentary um, that it, um, you bring up is, is you, you had a series of head injuries that very possibly could have accelerated the road to Alzheimer's. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? The doctors have said, yes, it did. They, they, I, I had a um, bicycle accident with, uh, without a helmet and um, with my son and uh, younger son, Connor, when he was younger and his friend, and we went up to visit my mother was getting to the final stages of Alzheimer's and, and Alzheimer's, and it's the same thing with me. I, we, you don't have an internal thermostat, so you overdress and underdress. And it was summer and she gave these kids um, these, these really heavy sweatshirts and my notes here. And, and so, but my son realized that my mom was sick and, and then I told him, look, you could take them off and I'll put them over my bike. I had no helmet, they had helmets. And um, so I laid them over. This is on the way home from visiting the, home. the mother. Mother gave them two heavy sweatshirts to wear. The kids put them on. And as they're riding back home, they say, dad, can we take these off? Yes, they did. Drape them over his bike and. Steve's kind of the puppet master. Have you understood <laughs> what Greg meant to say? But that's okay. Uh, we're like an old married couple kind of <laughs> finish each other's thoughts. But um, so in, in Alzheimer's, it brings you back sometimes to childhood. And I remember when I was a child, I would ride no handed. I started, I'm in my 60s and started riding no handed. And something told me inside that something bad was going to happen. And I saw the sweatshirt slip off the handlebar into the spokes caught the spokes, threw me about 10 feet into the air. And because of that premonition, which could have saved my life, I had my hand in front of my face. And when I hit it, cut through to my knuckles. And then my hand fell away and I hit my head twice on the pavement. And that's what the doctor said, unleashed a monster. And later I had a car crash in which um, my head hit the windshield and cracked the windshield. And so it, it and then plus I played football and baseball in high school and college and on uh, at least college. I didn't play football in high school, but took a lot of hits. So, yeah. it, it, and you have a genetic link. So that yeah. you have a lot of things stacked against you in terms of, you know, Alzheimer's. Right. Um, so I, I just want to like check in with you, Greg, on um, how you're doing today. I mean, we've interviewed you previously on being patient and you're obviously a very masterful communicator with your journalism skills. Um, but you know, you are making references like I have to write this down, I don't remember. How do you feel like you're doing today? Um, on a bad day, not, not well. Um, there are times, there were, and I'm not proud of this, okay? There were twice in my life I tried to commit suicide because I know where this is going. And um, um, 
I tell people my brain is like an iPhone, still a, a, a sophisticated device because of the grace of God and a high IQ and res, uh, cognitive reserve. And there's another word called, let's say neuropathy, that's a neuroplasticity. I think that's what I'm reading here, where the brain on its own can reconnect. And, um, but having said that, um, my rage is out of control. My wife had to go into counseling for that, where the rage goes. Um, I'm withdrawing more and more now. My 60% or more, maybe 70 now, my short-term memory can be gone in seconds. Uh, I don't recognize people. If you put me in a room with um, people that I've known all my life, I won't remember who they are. And, um, and, 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 you know, in addition to that, I, my body, because this is what Alzheimer's breaks the body down. I just had, as well as the mind, the, the, the mind is the window to the body and, and the computer for the body. I just had in May uh, spinal surgery where they cut me from my neck to my spine and fused everything. And um, I lost a seven hour operation with um, uh, anesthesia, not good. And um, lost seven pints of blood on the table and started a heart attack. And now the neck and the spine is the next thing and still no feeling from my knees to uh, my feet. And I, as I said, it, there's, there, there's the stereotype about Alzheimer's and dementia is so damn wrong. Um, there's no two types that are the same, but the doctors have told me, look, you, you have limited capacity, but if you tell your brain, you're gonna focus on communication and writing, which the writing will probably be the last thing that goes with you, your body, because it can't handle anything else is going to break down in other ways. And I told, I thought it was Steve, but it wasn't. I told someone that uh, it was, um, it's, it's like the movie uh, 2001 Space Odyssey with the diabolical commuter, uh, co computer Hal, where they said, could you go forward? Could you go in reverse? Could you go faster? And Hal said, I can't, there's only so much juice. And so my juice is uh, on the way out and there are times again please no pity when i go to bed at night i ask the lord to take take me home i'm ready to go right now thank you for sharing that with us i mean thank you for your honesty i i think i admire that and i think that it's important um you know the fact that and this is conveyed so well in the documentary the fact that this disease you're living it, but you can be so honest. Um, and, you know, Steve, hats off to you too for being able to convey that in the documentary because I think it's important. Um, you know, if only more people really could be like Greg in the way, in his really honest, his honesty, you know, it's, it's not, it's certainly not roses, um, but you do the best you can. And with the best, there are, times where you have to, you know, you're not so good. And, and I think that's, I think it's very brave. You, you have to have strategies. I don't want to hold you up here, but, um, and, and, but that's important for your viewers and the early diagnosis and being around experts like Dr. Rudy Tanzi at Harvard and, and Lisa Genova, it, it, it gives you strategies. And so, uh, my nickname in the past used to be the senator from Cape Cod, but now I don't want to be around people. So if I go into a, in a room where there's going to be a lot of people, 
what I'll do immediately is look for the exit door. I'll go around and spend two seconds shaking hands, not knowing who people are. And then I leave the room and go sit by myself for an hour and a half. And I'll do that at large family. So they'll say, oh, I saw Greg, he, he, he looked good, you know? But they don't know that I'm sitting outside by myself in a day. Yeah, and often when pe people are good communicators like yourself, that I'm sure you face that comment all the time. Well, you don't seem that bad, you know. And yeah, it's uh, what... but, but then I, you know, a lot of I, I have no continence. I don't want to get gross with you. I have no continence now, and I'm I, I put off wearing adult diapers for a long time. But then people, you know, when they say, "Oh, you look so good," and to which I would say, "Looks and IQ are gifts from." God, the universe, the almighty, whatever you want to say, nothing to do with Alzheimer's. And I tell people as a joke, and sometimes they get mad, I go, as a matter of fact, I'll look better in a coffin than you do right now. <laughs> I know that I, that's a shitty thing to say, but. <laughs> the honesty again. <laughs> well, Steve... have no filter, so. <laughs> it's a thing, Lauren, that I think, uh, Deborah, I'm sorry, that, that comes across really well is that every single person who we present on camera is in effect telling the truth. Mm -hmm. Nobody, there's no scripted, oh gee, I've got a checklist of seven things I need to incorporate. No, no, it's a conversation that we're having. It's unscripted. These are experts who are sharing tons and tons of information that they have learned through 400 clinical trials that did not work. And in that process of elimination, we're getting closer and closer, hopefully to something that will work. And one of the things that Lisa points out, I think is very important, as well as the, the big pharma companies, is, is that they really need to focus their clinical trials on people who are at the preliminary stage, mm -hmm. as opposed to after it's full blown. And that's happening more and more. There's a lot more trials now that are reaching for those pre-symptomatic people. Um, but yes, Steve- Real quick, um, yeah. Lisa, who's one of my best friends, she has a new book. It's, it's We've new interviewed book. her about it. Oh, you did? All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll give it another plug though, because it's an uh, awesome book. I love that book. The difference between uh, getting old and Alzheimer's. And it, uh, it, it's it's, recommended reading i think for everyone and yeah and she she's it, that's an excellent book and it does answer that question is it normal aging or is there another problem right so she does such a great job um steve tell us how do people see the documentary if they um if they want to where where is it showing or how can people access it um have you heard about greg uh we're having our first film festival showing that's going to take place in LA at a place called Filmocracy. It's going to be on Thursday to Sunday. If people want to go on Filmocracy, F-I-L-M-O-C-R-A-C-Y.com, they will see how they can for $7 basically pay and have it streamed into their house. It'll be up from Thursday morning till Sunday night. So that's okay, first, we can post that link as well. That is the first piece of business. If they happen to be in LA and want to come and see Greg and me in person uh, for some strange reason, uh, that'll be on Saturday night, the uh, December the 11th, over at the, the Music Hall Theater in Beverly Hills. Now, after that screening, 
we basically are looking at a, a theatrical release uh, in the middle of February. And that'll be when people all across the country will hopefully will be able to go down to their local movie theater and, and, and see it in person. Because it's a different experience when you're with a group versus you're sitting at home and watching it, just like any movie is. But this one really affects you and, and achieves the goal of, of making you care about someone other than yourself and start to think about, as a result of us putting a human face on this terrible disease, start to think about your own brain health. And then um, I'm just getting my producers asking a question about asking about the LA December 9th to 12th world premiere. Yes. Is that is that what you were just talking about or? Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. That's, that's, that's film festival called Filmocracy. Okay, Filmocracy. So I think it needs to go on Netflix or something at some point, right? We, we, from your mouth. <laughs> okay, attention, Net, Netflix, HBO, all oh, of the above. Oh, we, we, <laughs> we think that Apple with the Swatch Watch, you know, and being able to tell people about their blood pressure and, heart yeah. and all that stuff. That they, Amazon that, Prime too, right? Yeah, both, we, we hope. We, okay. So, um, Greg, Steve, thank you so much for sharing um, more about the documentary. Um, have you heard about Greg? Um, we'll post the links to what you just mentioned um, in this talk if people want to know more. Do you have a website too for it? Yes, we do. It's hyhag.com. Have you heard about Greg? Hey, hey Steve, just real quick, mention, because you can't do anything without supporters. No. The farmers, I, the farmers who have been so helpful. We, we have an interesting set of circumstances whereby my head of marketing is a gentleman named Brad Ball, who had been the head of marketing at Warner Brothers for many years. And he came up with this idea of why don't we go approach the big pharma companies because they uh, this is right in their wheelhouse and they need to get people down to clinical trials. They need to get more information out to people. And so we had this wonderful conglomeration of Eli Lilly, Biogen and Esai put up money for the marketing and are supporting us and helping to get the word out. And so that's uh, how we're going to get the word out for the screenings in February. So. I think well, good luck to both all of those you. people. Thank you very much, Deborah, for giving us this, this, uh, you know, wonderful platform that you've created and have done so much great work on. And uh, I enjoy watching your podcast. So okay. thank you so much. And Greg, always good to see you as well. Wishing you all the very best. Thank and you. we That's will. We will follow your pursuits um, with this documentary and congratulations to both of you for making it. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information on upcoming interviews, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at beingpatient.com. That's B-E-I-N-G-P-A-T-I-E-N-T.com. And send us any feedback you may have, whether it's someone you want us to interview or any comment about our podcast series. You can do so by emailing info at beingpatient.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Deborah Kahn.